I'm a giant when I stand Ballin' like the Jets, start in Jersey like the Nets To New York like the Mets, yeah I win like the Yanks Like the past, spell a check, GNT Sports Talk How to show on the net, yeah On myself, yeah I bet, yeah I put blood to the switch, yeah From the East to the West, GNT Sports Talk How to show on the net, yeah Welcome back to another edition of Grunt Talks, GNT Sports Talk with me and Julian. We have a special guest host uh, guest today, uh, ABC 11 out of North Carolina sports reporter Bridget Condon. How are you today? Great. Happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for being here. So, um, for, so first I'll start off is I'm actually, Julian, we're big football fans. I'm a diehard Patriots fan. Julian's a Jets fan. Uh, you did interview Cam Newton. Had, <laughs> um, yeah. You did interview Cecil Newton, and from what you heard, how did you think his dad felt with Cam, how he's doing right now? Um, yeah, he did confirm that he was asymptomatic, and he went through different symptoms and specifically said he had asked Cam if he was experiencing any of them, and Cam had not experienced any symptoms it really seemed like he thought he was ready to play and in the mindset of wanting to get back out on the field but of course he needs those two back-to-back negative tests which we heard or we learned yesterday he hasn't gotten yet um so i think it's just a matter of waiting for the actual test results to come back and allow him to get back on the field um now since you're in North Carolina, what has the feeling been since Cam Newton has gone? Has it been like what has been the fans when the Panthers let him go back in March? Has it been uh, a sense of like they're upset about it? Like they they go out and sign Teddy Bridgewater, who is a lot different than what Cam brought to the team. But do do you think fans definitely miss him? Yeah, I mean, we saw it right when the Panthers released him. Fans made billboards in downtown Charlotte, keep Cam in Carolina. They were really mad. I mean, Cam was that guy for them. Um, He had been there since 2011, nine seasons with the Panthers. He was really active in the community. He held a Thanksgiving turkey giveaway every year. Um, He really, I mean, you know, he would give the ball to a fan after every touchdown. He was really big in the fan base and people were mad. People were mad at the organization. Um, you know, whether that was David Tepper, there was obviously a lot of change this off season with Ron Rivera being fired as well at the end of the season. Um, I think when the season started, the Panthers started off really rocky and fans were like, all right, let's just tank. Let's try and get Trevor Lawrence. So I'm, right. I'm fine. Like it was kind of like a throwaway season. And then especially when Christian gets hurt, it's like, okay, one thing after another, like this is going to be a long season. But they've won three in a row since that. And I think there's kind of this optimism, but fans are still concerned about, is this success that we're having right now sustainable? Um, But yeah, they they 100% miss Cam. Uh, I think now that they've won a few games, people obviously are um, receptive of, of Teddy Bridgewater as well. Right. Okay, I have some good questions for you. I know you're going to like these. So the Jets were interested in hiring Matt Rule at one point, so I'm curious your yeah. Matt Rule, and I think he obviously would have been much better than Adam Gase. But, and also about Robbie Anderson. What have you thought about Robbie so far? I know he's been playing really well for you guys. Have you had the chance to talk to him at all? Um, yeah, he's been available in some um, like post-game press conferences and throughout the week. Um, I just can't believe his situation, Um, especially for him to be as successful as he is right now. It it really blows my mind. I don't know whether it's just he's clicking with Carolina, he's clicking with Teddy Bridgewater, um, but I think we're going to see a lot more out of him that we've seen a little bit this season. But it still just blows my mind. I mean, obviously, you've probably followed him as a Jets fan a little bit more than I have. But it blows my mind that he went undrafted and he's having the success he is right now. Um, And for 
uh, I forget what your first question. Oh, about Matt Rule. I was shocked that they, I mean, you want to totally change your program right now after you get rid of your franchise quarterback, you get rid of Ron Rivera, who find whatever you didn't think he was a great, great coach. Ron Rivera is one of the best people I've ever met. He, I mean, and, and I think you, everyone sees that now with his right. battle with cancer and the way the league has, you know, really stepped up um, to show their support for him. I think, okay, yeah, you needed a change. Carolina hadn't, we, they haven't seen success since really 2015, but you bring in a guy who's never been in the NFL before. And then he hires all of his staff who were with him at Temple. It just seems really odd. Um, I think the first few weeks, some of the calls that he made, I think it was that fourth and one call when they didn't give the ball to Christian, one of the early games, they gave right. it to, I forget who else. And, it just he he seemed like he was having a huge um, transition issue from making that step from college to the NFL. I think things have uh, maybe slowed down for him a little bit over the next uh, the past couple of weeks. But I was really shocked that they had hired somebody like Matt Rule. Um, I think Joe Brady has been great, and right. we've seen that especially since. Christian got hurt, you know, finding some different ways to get the offense going. But I don't know. Like, if you asked me after week two, I would have said fire Matt rule. But <laughs> I think, like anybody, it takes a little learning curve. The thing about Rule Anderson's an interesting dynamic because they actually worked together in college, too. Rule is his college yeah. coach. So I think Robbie had yeah. a big interest in going there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think Matt Rule had that trust in him you know that maybe some of the other coaches didn't see absolutely um my next question for you has to do with the Panthers obviously you know they started out rocky they look great now and they're doing this without Christian McCaffrey my question to you is do you think at the trade deadline which is coming up on November 3rd do you think the Panthers are going to be buyers or sellers Hmm. That's a good question. If you're at, I'm just a little <laughs> taken back because I thought you were going somewhere with Christian. And then I'm like, if you think they're going to do anything with Christian, that's, oh, that's of totally course off not. the table. No, no, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I don't know what kind of movement that there's gonna, gonna be. I mean, it, yeah, maybe you would have done some stuff different with the offense a few weeks ago, but now things are, are starting to gel. So I don't know. I, that's a good question. Yeah, no, no. I um, I definitely know that they will not do anything with Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> I, my, well, yeah. I'll actually lead that into my next question. Is there any news on when he could be back? Um, I think it was originally a couple weeks but I haven't heard anything about him coming back in you know in a while um and I think the fact I think he is seeing doctors later this week um to reevaluate his injury I think the fact that I think there was really no rush to get him back right. at first when they were doing so terribly it was like okay whatever and now you're seeing success even without him so I think the biggest concern is with a guy like Christian who's so young and who has such a long career ahead of him, I think the the key here is to making sure you don't bring him back too soon and making sure he's, you know, 150% good to go before he takes any risk of, of getting back out on the field. Absolutely. Um, the one thing I, I do like what I see, I think Teddy Bridgewater at first, um, I was kind – in terms of – you guys signing Teddy, I was kind of confused as to why you guys did it. You got the three year, I think it was $60 million, if I'm not mistaken, you guys signed them to. Um, but after you guys let go of Cam and got him, I thought you got, I thought it was the writing was on the wall tank for Trevor, but Teddy Bridgewater has come in there, really given you guys life. He started out shaky, but he could play. And I really think that, you know what, going forward, He's your guy. He really fits into Matt Rule's offense really well. And even without 
Christian McCaffrey. You see the addition of Robbie Anderson really has changed this offense, I feel. Robbie has been that guy. And the Panthers do have um, DJ Moore, who is extremely underrated. I don't hear much of Curtis Samuel. Um, I'm very, I'm really shocked about that. I thought he was pretty decent, but um, I also like what I see from Mike Davis too. I think in Christian's Afri- uh, absence, excuse me, that he's looked pretty good. Yeah, Mike Davis looked incredible on Sunday, um, and I think he even the week before too. He is really someone who um, I think he, I forget who he did an interview with, but I was uh, listening to it, and he said. Because there was obviously a lot of pressure on Mike Davis, you know, once Christian left. He's, he's now the main running back, and what can he do? And he said he, he knew that he wasn't going to go in there and be Christian McCaffrey. He had to go in there and be Mike Davis. Mike, right. and, and that took a lot of pressure off of himself. And he's been able to just be himself. And I think he's, he said he's had conversations with Christian, and he's given him some advice during this time. But, yeah, with – I mean, we have never seen a Panthers offense. You know, I've been covering them since 2017. I don't remember seeing a Panthers team with offense like this in the past three years because even, you know, when they were winning games last year, you know, in the years past, it was like they were winning it. They were scoring so many field goals. Like, I don't remember ever going to a game where I've seen so many field goals scoring. Like, it was, right. it was, not, it was not this explosive offense consistently there will be a couple you know maybe a long play here and there for a touchdown but with like you were saying I mean Robbie Anderson Curtis Samuel I think we will see more of him I think they're trying to figure out how they can get him into the offense and use him more I do think he's a really good player I remember seeing him last year and think he was a really good player too um and they do have some weapons and I think it, they're going to be even better when Christian comes back too to give them more options and, and now this kind of proves to them I think they were I mean they were drawing up so many plays for Christian and and which was great until defenses realized that you know and I think now that they have other options and they don't have to give the ball to him every single time it can allow them more space and, and more opportunity to run different plays and score points and win games in different ways absolutely um so, in your opinion, what is one area you think the Panthers need need to fix offensively or defensively to going forward to keep winning games? What's one part of the team you think they need to really just fix? Yeah, um, I think they need to – I think on defense, they need to create more turnovers. Um, I, don't, I, was, I, I don't know how many they've had this season, but I know it's not a lot. Um, and I think that makes the difference, especially late in the season when you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, you're trying to separate yourself from other teams and, and getting into the playoffs and getting to, into those important games, um, you know, later down the season, you need to be able to be a team to create some turnovers and sacks too. Uh, I know the first few, that was the, the biggest issue in the first few games when they were losing was they were not doing anything to help them they weren't creating any I think they had like one quarterback hit what and the, I think it was week three they played the box I think that was like their first quarterback hit um for the entire first three weeks I think their defense and part, part of that was the offense you know when the offense can't stay on the field and the defense is the offense is you know turning the ball over so many so much the defense is getting back out there the defense is tired they don't have the energy to do things like that and things are, are sloppier. So I think, you know, the offense continuing to do better will help the defense be able to create some of those big plays, some of those turnovers, some of those game and momentum swinging opportunities. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that one. So before you were talking about how the Panthers had to trust in Matt Rule to hire his staff, I thought that was critical because the Jets didn't hire him for that reason, supposedly. They were set to hire him, but they didn't like him hiring the staff. And obviously, yeah. like I said before, it looks good with you guys right now. And you did talk about a lot of good things. I guess, what's the most surprising thing about Rule so far that you've seen from what you, so far? I think I, I, I actually am surprised with, his hires. I mean, I, and I'm surprised 
I mean, that makes sense from the, the Jets' perspective. Why would you hire a guy who's never been in the league who's going to hire all these people who don't have that kind of experience? It's a huge risk. I think one of the things I'm most impressed with Matt Rule is he got his ass whooped the past, you know, the first few weeks. And he he didn't let that, you know, deter him or or, or take him down really from – figuring out how to make this team go. He could have, a lot of coaches can, could get in their heads and think, okay, well, we're just going to focus on this year as a re- rebuilding year. And I think the fan base was ready for that. And Matt Rowe was like, no, I'm going to figure this out and we're going to work different things. And I think the confidence he had, even talking to him post game, he was, you know, after some of those games, he would be like, you know, we're right there. We just have to fix a few small things and we'll be right there. And I remember listening to him say that. And I'm like, I don't see that. Like, to me, they were a lot further away from being successful than he was making it seem like. But obviously, you know, he sees these guys seven days a week. But he proved that, you know, the, the past few weeks, they've, they've shown that they can be that team with success and, and figuring out who to put where and how to use. They might ha- not have the most talented talented team in the NFL, but he's figuring out how to use certain players and how to draw up certain plays to, you know, make them be successful right now. And I, I, that's what I'm most impressed with is him just not folding. Yeah. I've really been impressed with you guys as well. Obviously I've talked about Robbie a lot and we miss him up here for sure. He's been <laughs> great for you guys, but you guys do have a few surprising wins that game against the Cardinals. I thought was a pretty big saving game. You took care of them pretty easily. What do you think has yeah. been the biggest challenge for these guys dealing with all the COVID stuff yeah, or schedule changing and everything? Like, how has that been for you guys also, like, with your work conditions and, like, all the access you probably can't get that you were used to be able to get? Yeah. Yeah. So, as TV reporters, we're only allowed one person um, to games. So, I actually haven't been because, for us, we are in Raleigh. So, it's about two hours for the trip to Charlotte. Right. So it wouldn't make sense because usually it's me and a photographer that go. So to have just one person go and for that travel, it just hasn't made sense. And that really stinks because I think, I mean, covering the games, you know, doing the Zoom and everything is great to be able to do that from anywhere. But I think you get something different from being able to be at the game and, and Absolutely. be on the field. You know, we used to be able to be on the field pregame and walk around and you can kind of get sense of vibe from some of the players. You can see – who they're talking to, what they're talking about. I think it, it's totally a different experience and you can create those face-to-face relationships. People are going to remember your face in the locker room on the field so much more than they will on a Zoom when there's 50 other people on the Zoom. Absolutely. I think I, I miss being in a locker room. I think <laughs> it's hard because you have to, in these Zoom post-game pressers, you have to raise your hand and they call on you. And they're not going to call on everyone who has their hands raised, like in the queue. So sometimes you might not even get your question, even though you had your hand raised, which has been really frustrating um, for me a little bit. And I think when you're in the locker room, you have, you know, all of the guys there. In the Zoom, they only bring maybe four or five. And in the locker room, you can go up and talk to whoever. You can ask a follow-up question. You can maybe get something that nobody else gets. You know, on the Zoom, you ask a question and everyone else is on that Zoom can use that quote, which is fine, but it's kind of, it makes telling feature stories or doing original reporting a little more difficult. I think for the guys too, and Matt Rule also said this um, last week, was he didn't think that the, the, the talent has changed with his guys. He thought more that they're just getting more used to each other and used to the new coaching staff because for this team not only is it totally new precautions or protocols totally you know no fans none of that now they do have a limited capacity of fans but you also have this new quarterback you have a new uh you have new leaders you don't have guys like Greg Olson Luke Keekley on the team anymore who were who served as leaders for these guys at Cam um and you you have a new entire new coach, new coaching staff. So it's been a big adjustment for the players. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, I think in a way, Zoom, the one thing I do take away from all this, and it is frustrating, definitely as a reporter, I can definitely it is frustrating, especially if you want to ask a question, you're in there for however long, 
the you guys are allowed in there and your answer, your question doesn't get answered. But the one thing I think it did is it provided opportunities to, you know, for two guys like Julian and I to interview people like you. So I'm definitely thankful for that. We hope everyone is enjoying the show so far. If you guys like this content, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Grunt Talks Team. Again, that's Grunt Talks Team, Twitter and Instagram. Thank we hope everyone is enjoying the show so far. If you guys like this content, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Grunt Talks Team. Again, that's Grunt Talks Team, Twitter and Instagram. Thank we hope everyone is enjoying the show so far. If you guys like this content, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Grunt Talks Team. Again, that's Grunt Talks Team, Twitter and Instagram. Thank we hope everyone is enjoying the show so far. If you guys like this content, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Grunt Talks Team. Again, that's Grunt Talks Team, Twitter and Instagram. Thank we hope everyone is enjoying the show so far. If you guys like this content, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Grunt Talks Team. Again, that's Grunt Talks Team, Twitter and Instagram. Thank My question to you is, how did you get into wanting to be a sports reporter? Like, did you look up to somebody growing up that you wanted to be just like them? So I grew up um, outside of Boston in this small town called Holliston. Um, I'm one of three, um, three girls, and I'm the youngest. So obviously, you know, if you guys have ever been to Boston, I know you have. Um, huge sports city. You got to, like, it, it, when I left Boston, I didn't realize that people's lives don't revolve around sports in other places, in other parts of the country, because <laughs> it's just something you do. I mean, even from elementary school, everyone wears their Patriot shirts to school, you know, like I you wear it. your Red Sox gear. It, it, it's, it's just part of you. And I used to go to games. I was the youngest of three girls. So I was kind of like my dad, I think, wish I had been a boy, but it's fine. <laughs> um, and <laughs> we would go to games and stuff together. And I, the moment when I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy, was in 2004. It was the ALCS. Oh, game four oh between God. the Red Sox and oh, We were there. <laughs> it was me, my two sisters, mom, dad, and my grandfather. And it went into extra innings. And I remember sitting there and I, it was a Sunday night. And my mom was like, Dennis, like, we got to get the girls home. Like, it's Sunday. They're losing. Come on. Like, they got to get to bed. And my dad was like, are you kidding me? Like, you never leave a game early. And my mom was like, oh, my God. Like, come on. Like, I love been that. through this before. <laughs> and so David Ortiz hit the walk-off homer. And I remember – obviously I was like so amped up because I'm it, it's like I think it was like midnight or something I'm it's way past my bedtime we're walking through the streets of Boston these random drunk people are like giving me high fives and I'm like this is awesome like oh my god like I I don't think at that moment I understood the magnitude of, of how long Red Sox fans had been wanting or waiting for that moment and what it meant until I got a little older and it really put it into perspective but obviously they went on and won the world series that year and I just got really hooked into the Red Sox and then um, I grew up playing field hockey lacrosse and um, I ran track and so I played played sports all throughout high school and then in college I I, I always loved telling stories and and you know playing sports but I didn't realize that it could come together until the summer of the summer before my senior year, I got an internship with Time Warner Cable Sports in Los Angeles and got to cover the Dodgers, um, the Lakers. They only had some press conferences because it was the summer. And then WNBA Sparks and the Galaxy. And I was like, this is sick. Like, this is amazing. I want to do this. This is so fun. People, like, always complain. You always hear your whole entire life people complaining about work, you know? Of and course. I'm like, oh, that sucks. You have to graduate and you have to work and then you have to complain about it for the rest of your life. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But then I found out like you could literally get paid to talk about sports and tell stories. I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. So it was kind of a dream that I was like, all right, let's see. I, I had been doing um, journalism and Spanish in college since freshman year. Um, but I just didn't know exactly what route of journalism I wanted to take until that summer. And so I was like, all right, let's see how long I can do this for. Because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you have a dream and there's tons of people, especially now, I feel like it's like a trendy job, especially for women in sports. And I was like, all right, let's see. So I went back to school my senior year. I sidelined um, our football and basketball games and pregame show for our student run broadcast and then got an internship at a local TV station where I ended up working once I graduated 
a station in Charlottesville. I was there two years, got to cover some UVA sports, UVA going to the um, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight in Chicago, which was really cool. And then from there, I got the job in Raleigh, uh, which has been my first pro sports city. So we cover the NHL team, which is the Hurricanes, and then, of course, the Carolina Panthers, and then UNC, Duke, NC State, football, basketball. So it's been crazy, um, just kind of been riding this dream and hoping that it doesn't end anytime soon, just because it is so fun, and it's something different every single day, and I really feel like getting to tell these stories of these athletes that sometimes aren't seen as real humans is, is like the best thing. Now it's probably probably a long-winded uh, way to answer your question. Oh, that was great. And the one thing is, literally, I could tell you this, Bridget. You're not gonna like this. Julian and I are diehard Yankee fans. So oh, no. that in 2000, oh, no. that in 2004 was one of the worst times. But with me, I'm a diehard <laughs> Patriots fan. I'm assuming you are as well. Yeah, of course. And my question to you is this. Um, what was your take when Brady left us and were you excited when Cam signed with us? Honestly, I was pissed when Brady left. I, oh, as a fan, as a fan, I just felt betrayed by someone who had been here forever. I just, I really, my thing was like either retire or don't, or play for the Patriots. Like that, it just kind of hurt. And then you go to the Bucks. Like, that was just also super shocking. But I get it. I mean, he – look, like, I I get it. He got us six Super Bowls. He was here for so long. I don't know what the deal is with him and Bill. If there is a deal there, I'm sure it'll come out, you know, in years to come. But I was really bitter. Still, even – I really wanted the Panthers to beat the Bucks And just, like, I don't know. Like, I just – I, it's so bad, but I just don't want him to be successful there. Like I, it's like, I, I'm so bitter about it. Um, when Cam got signed by the Patriots, I was really happy because one, what they signed him for is crazy. And the fact that he's making, I, still can't believe no, it. I cannot believe that. Um, what is it? Like says, it, like, it was one year, uh, one yeah. year, one million, but with incentives, it could go up to 7.5 mil. Yeah, 7.5, um, which is insane. But I think the way the Panthers did Cam Dirty was wrong. I think I don't think his time in the NFL was done. And the fact that it had been so long before a team picked him up was really, uh, really shocking to me too. And I just think it's the perfect – I mean, Bill Belichick sees things that we don't see. Yeah. I think he's a genius, and I think – Cam is talented, and we've seen that. I mean, he balled out the first few games. And I think now that he's healthy and he has the O-line that he never had at Carolina, he now has, you know, people to work with at the Patriots. Um, granted, he doesn't have, you know, an offense like they used to have with receivers and stuff, but they're working on it. Um, I'm happy for him, and I think, I think sky's the limit for the Patriots and Cam Newton, and I hope – they pay him next year. <laughs> I'm telling you this, as a Patriots fan, as big as I am, I think when we sign Cam Newton, I think he's perfect for the team. He he can do things with the offense we have right now that I think Brady last year struggled with. And I yeah. agree with you, Bridget. Tom Brady, to me, is a god. Everything he's done for the team has changed it. Six Super Bowls out of nine. Um, I live in – I just moved to Tampa, actually. So, literally, seeing Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski in that disgusting Buccaneers uniform just (laughs) makes me sick to my stomach. And it's funny because all my friends, including Julian, they're just like, oh, they're like, when are you going to start liking the Bucs? And I just tell them this, never. I will never. It just still bothers me. The the whole Gronk of it all really just put, like – me over the edge you know when the, he came out of retirement and was like yeah I'll join Tom I was like are you kidding me as if we weren't already like down in a low of in course. the middle of coronavirus and then you two do this like it was I don't know like that really did it for me 
That was something. I mean, one of the few things I've found joy in this year, I guess, because oh my, my team's God. miserable. So I'm like looking forward to the draft, I guess. But I'm actually going to switch gears to baseball. You, I'm happy to hear you like it so much, even though you're a Red Sox fan. I'm curious <laughs> how um, in North Carolina, how they view baseball. Do, do people want a baseball team there? Is there any interest for the games down there? I know you guys have Durham, which is uh, like yeah. a new team, but has anyone talked about that ever? I like rarely hear anything about baseball. Like I have to actively go and like figure out what the Red Sox are doing because no one really talks about any MLB, at least in the places that I'm at here. Um, I think people would want a baseball team. Yeah. In Charlotte. And I think if it came or even in Raleigh, I think if, if they had one, people would get on board, but it is just such. And the other thing that is the is, I grew up in such a pro sports hometown, pro sports state, New England, you know, area. People down here really aren't that pro sports centric. And it's super college sports down here. People are like, who'd you grow up rooting for? BC? I'm like, no, like no one really roots (laughs) for BC. Like I, I didn't grow up watching college football on Saturdays. Like, because you're just, you're, it's Sundays. It's, it's NFL. Um, MLB, NBA, and NHL, like it, that's what's so different down here. I don't. So I think if there was a baseball team here, people would get on board with it. But it is just such a college area and such a basketball area too. Right. I'm sure it's big with Duke and UNC. It's probably all you oh, yeah. know, right? I mean, yep. Bobby loves his Duke, and oh, I'm sure you guys Duke, can get to Duke that. <laughs> Duke. My family is so huge on Duke. We love Coach K. Um, my dad, my dad has a few, uh, uh, friends that played for Duke. We're big Mike Dunleavy guys back in the day, but we just love Duke. UNC to me, just, uh, I, the tar, just, uh, I just can't, but there's nothing like I, I, that's one thing I really want to do is go to a UNC Duke game, whether it's at Chapel Hill or I, I, or there it's, it's one of my, uh, Bucket list. How well, crazy make, is it, that? make the bucket list. Change it to, to seeing a game at Duke, a Duke UNC game at Duke. It is totally different. I don't think the Duke UNC at Carolina does it justice. I think if you're going to try and, and do it, you've got to see it at Duke. And right. there is nothing like that. It's insane. Oh, definitely. That's one thing me and my family always want to do, but literally trying to get tickets for that is crazy. Oh yeah. It's insane. I know. People camping out. We've seen all the videos and people camping out for days. Like the college basketball atmosphere is fun. And not having March Madness year was really upsetting. That was like the first dagger of the year. Like no March Madness. And And it just kept going and going. I was like, man, this is just terrible. It literally, since that Thursday, we were there at the ACC tournament. And it just felt so weird that morning. I think Florida State and whoever they were playing was supposed to come out, and then Duke was supposed to play later. And they ended up canceling the first game and then canceling the tournament. And was like, all right, well, they'll still have March Madness, right? And then, like, that got canceled. And then the NBA – like, it just – yeah, it's really been a domino effect since then. Oh, it's – this whole year has just been – crazy no i'm just so thankful we were able to get baseball um yeah football cro- keeping my fingers crossed nothing i know the tennessee titans really uh have an issue but things are getting cleaned up the patriots unfortunately we had to deal with uh a few covid cases and but praying for the um the best but in your opinion do you think the nfl is uh in a way with the COVID related protocols, like they're basically putting the money before the player's health, in your opinion? Mm. Wow. I can see it both ways. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think they are doing a good job by all the testing that they're doing. I know the Panthers have this sanitizing robot that they're using. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's kind of crazy. No, I haven't Uh, actually. Yeah. It's like this huge robot that sanitizes the locker room and the stadium and everything. Um, And I guess it kills, supposedly kills the virus. Um, 
I think they're I'm shocked with I mean think about they're testing the players I think every day mm-hmm. um I'm shocked with how little spaces there have been I think this, this past week they sh- they tested like 4,500 people and there were eight positive tests um I think obviously the way the NBA and NHL did it is the way to do it I just think having a bubble around the NFL is almost impossible I agree um I don't know. I think there's just so many different layers and I can see it from both sides and I don't want to say one thing and have people come at me, but I do think they've been able to do it in a way that is safe for the players um, as as best as they can and still put a product out there for fans who are dying for anything right now. I think and then it's yeah I, I don't want to say anything that's going to make anyone upset because it is it is a situation that is uh needs to be taken lightly and I know people have different perspectives and I can see it from all angles what I do know is Miami allowing full capacity is absolutely insane I think I think that's what their their governor right of Florida uh, said that yeah governor could- Ron DeSantis yeah he uh he said that all Florida teams can have a full capacity, but no team is going to do that. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's just insanity. Yeah, like that – I think having fans in a huge stadium spread out makes sense because you're allowed to congregate 25 people in a small area. If you have a stadium so big, why, why can't you have a limited number for the players' families, you know, like who, of course. who have seen them since they were children and want to be there for those moments. But trying to fill an entire stadium is absolutely crazy, and that is not safe. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, I know that was a pretty, um, like, uh, questionable question. I, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just <laughs> – No, uh, no, no. But, yeah, no, um, I think uh, with this – I think the NFL, like, I'll, I'll say this in my opinion. I think that the Patriot uh, – the NFL kind of screwed the Patriots over in terms of the Chiefs game. They should have rescheduled that. So I'm kind of bitter about that one. But other than that, I do think that I will agree that the NFL has done a pretty de- a very good job because other than the Titans, who the outbreak happened because they were foolish and did, and did not follow protocols, the numbers have been literally very, very small. Yeah, I think – I know people have been proposing different things like adding a few weeks at the end for that buffer period. And I think that's something that might not might need to happen, especially as we get into the winter months and things are colder, people are inside more. I think we will see some, some more cases. And right now, like the, the Patriots and the Broncos both had week five fives, so it worked out, but it's not going to always work out like that. So I think that it's going to be continuous change and, flexibility that that has to come from both the teams and um the league so it'll be interesting to see how things go you know as the temperature drops and who knows what's going to happen to you know they say that i don't know who knows if the virus is going to be have another uh outbreak you know as as we get into the winter i think i think it's just like nobody knows what the heck is going on it's It's speculation things are changing by the minute and you just got to be ready to adapt it's just a crazy situation all this stuff but you guys made some good points to me i was telling bobby this too like i feel like they have to switch the schedule around they can't just try to do it normally all the other sports have had to do something different and nfl tried to go like business as usual but it's not gonna go that way that now you're already starting to see all this stuff keeps happening i would definitely try to extend it and rearrange the playoffs maybe if they could allow a few extra weeks like if this stuff keeps happening like with the schedules and all that i know it's complicated because they're scheduling and all this stuff but it might be easier in normal times because a lot of people aren't using these venues right now yeah that is true there aren't concerts or anything that you have to work around um i and and we've like I mean, you're, there's a game tonight. When have you? When's there ever been a Tuesday night Tuesday game? Tuesday night football. Right? That's so crazy. weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm ready, ready for some Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I know it's made our it's made our weeks go by fast <laughs> <laughs> because there's something going on every night, which is great. Because I remember nights in 
back in like April, it was like, what the heck? What, what are we going to watch on Netflix yeah. again? March and April were dark times. And like most of May dark. too, like it was really tough oh for God. us to get by. But we were able to do a lot of this stuff in networking. Also, we really... Uh, have similar thoughts about the New York Boston scene because we always wear our jerseys. Like our area oh, always course. had the Yankee jerseys, the football jerseys, yeah. even the Mets. Like we know exactly what you're talking about. So it would definitely be weird for us trying to adapt in like a Carolina area where they aren't as into it. Yeah. But, and then we've, I've lived here my whole life. He just moved. But like, it's really a fun thing. Like the New York and Boston sport markets, they're always so passionate. Absolutely. I remember like, the one thing I remember about my elementary school principal was that he was a Steelers fan oh, because God. he would always come in <laughs> his Steelers. And like, that's the one thing I remember about him. Like, it's just, it was just such a big deal growing up. And I, everyone down here compares UNC and Duke to the Red Sox Yankee rivalry saying like, it's the Red Sox Yankee rivalry of college, which I can definitely see like the way people hate Carolina or hate Duke is very similar to to Red Sox Yankee but I miss I miss Boston for so many reasons but I really miss how hard a, a city it is and how that sport fandom can bring people together and tear people apart like it's this I don't know Boston's got a lot of character and sometimes down here I don't get enough sarcasm out of people maybe <laughs> I yeah. I will tell you this. Living here in Tampa, they just won a Stanley Cup. Uh, the Rays are in the ALCS. Uh, the Bucks get Brady. Um, it's nothing like New York, and definitely nothing like Boston. Because really, here, I yeah, it, down here the one thing is there's more Yankee fans than Ray fans because literally it's funny. The Buccaneers uh, stadium, Raymond James, is right next door to. Uh, George Steinbrenner Field, where the Yankees have their uh, spring training. So, uh, there, when you come down here, and also I might add that the Tampa Bay Rays play in the worst uh, stadium ever made. Tropicana Field's one of the worst I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, but being down here, I'm so big into uh, the Yankees and so big into the Patriots is that I'm going literally – uh, week one, I literally, week two, I went to um, uh, the grocery store with me and my wife. I, and what I do is, it's crazy. I actually call it my uniform. I have a patri Patriot pair of shoes, socks, shorts, <laughs> shirt, and a different jersey every week. And everyone's looking at me like I have five heads. And one guy came up to me and he's like, why are you dressed like that? I'm like, it's football Sunday. You don't do this. Yeah, like, what? Uh, he's like, where are you? Yeah. Where, like, where are you from? I'm like, New Jersey. Why do you like the Patriots? Don't you like? And he goes, Don't you like the Bills? I'm like, Why would I like the Bills? <laughs> oh God. Jersey. And it's just, <laughs> Although we have a yeah. few oddballs out here too, like the Bills. <laughs> there are there are some people. <laughs> but oh, there's not. It, th that's the one thing we can relate is that New York and Boston are not only two of the most beautiful cities ever, but there's the passion of sports is nothing like it there in my opinion i coming down here and i love florida i really do it's nothing like with sports i know that they just won a championship the rays are all can make it to the world series um the bucks i'm just going to tell you brady makes them so much better but what we saw the other night is bridget you can agree if there's one way to beat tom brady it's pressure him and when you pressure him and oh, yeah. that's how he uh, loses. And another thing that's really funny is uh, I told Jules, I think I told you this, Jules. Somebody came up to me the uh, last Friday. I was at a store and I was wearing a Patriot shirt. And he's like, uh, let me ask you this. Why does Brady yell at his offensive line like that? I'm just like, because they weren't blocking and doing their job. Why? It's pretty self-explanatory. And they're, they're jumping uh, the penalty yeah. and all that. Um, and they're like, oh, we don't like that down here. He's not being a good teammate. I was just like, you know. You guys don't – I'm not even getting into this with you guys. No. I think the biggest thing about Boston and New York – Boston more – I'm not going to say anything good about New York <laughs> – is the, the unity. You know, like everyone can talk smack and, you know, about fans and teams and things like that. But the unity that we've seen, which has started from our sports teams – that have brought us together in some of the worst times, I think is why we all love Boston sports so much. Like I'll never forget Poppy after the Boston bombing, like 
I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, you but can, when he was can. like, okay, when he was you like, can. this is my fucking, this is our fucking city. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's an iconic yeah. moment. And I, that got goose, was, I got goosebumps watching yeah, that. Yeah, that was what we needed. And I think, was it after 9-11 when, was it the Yankees game? I don't know, because I was so young, but I know one of the stadiums, you know, baseball was the first thing to get back. Yep. Yeah. And to, to kind of restart the world again. And I think those big moments that sports drive is what brings people together so much and what makes people such big fans. And that's honestly one of the reasons why I love this profession is for moments like that, to that kind of bridges the sports is just a game and, and life is so tough and we put it together and we can all experience this great, unity i just miss going to the games like feeling those big moments oh. that you were talking about like it's just not the same like watching on tv gets boring after a while sometimes we like the game like we've been watching all year the last game i went to was a yankee spring trade in february last uh, it's, it's terrible i can't wait for the moment <laughs> where it's life is back i Seriously. oh my god and the one thing i will go back to and I always tell Julian this is David Ortiz was a Yankee killer. And honestly, but he, honestly, he is one of the best baseball player. He, the things he did for that city of Boston, uh, literally I get goosebumps and I'm not, and I can't stand the Red Sox at all, but that grand slam he hit off against the Tigers in 2013, where, uh, the security guard had his arms up and, uh, Tory Hunter flipped over the bullpen wall. Uh, that was just literally Poppy was so clutch, and what he, what he meant to the Red Sox is what Brady meant to the Patriots. Like he was the heart and soul. Oh yeah. But yeah, like going back to that after the Boston bombing, you need Boston needed its hero, needed a hero, oh, and that's what I'm David Ortiz still was. Talking about this. Exactly. He, oh, he's an icon too. I met him one time at his, he had a restaurant in uh, Framingham for a little bit. And uh, at his the opening, I met him and he was obviously so nice. Like I just, he, I, I followed, you know, him since he was on the Red Sox since I was little and he's just awesome. He, and that's, that's the kind of leader some of these other cities, they need someone to lean on, to be that big leader, to bring everyone together. And, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't say enough good about Boston sports. So you probably don't want to keep talking to me about it because I know <laughs> I know uh, we're talking to you. Yeah, no, Julian and I, uh, when it comes to the Red Sox, we can't stand it. But we will say this. Why, going to a Yankee-Red Sox game in Boston, we love this, going up there. We, we were there last year. Uh, you guys killed us the game we went to. So Ju- Julian and I were literally not very happy with that because in the first inning, Jules, remember, I think they, they, the Red Sox smacked us, what, six or seven runs in the first Paxton, inning? Paxton, like, gave up two bombs to bets in three innings. I'm like, yeah, we're done. And we were down, like, five, <laughs> six, nothing. I'm like, all right, and this ain't it. But, you know, it's just – it was one of those yeah. bad days. But we were going to go this year, too, and we pr- and we really hope next year we can oh, go. Oh, we're, yeah. We're trying we to as we're able to. But we got to see what yeah. goes on. It's just too crazy right now. But it was a fun time. And we went to Patriots training camp after, and that was a good oh, that experience. Was awesome. Even as a Jets fan, I blended it. Even though it was where the Yankees happened, I didn't give me too much slack. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I went to Patriots – the last time I went to Patriots training camp, I got a glove – from Aaron Hernandez, and oh, that's the last oh time I went. <laughs> oh my! You got a glove oh for God. Aaron Hernandez. Oh my God! When we went, when Julian and I went, the one thing I did was Julian and I try to get content everywhere we go. We went to Jets camp, got content. So I went on Twitter, and I was uh, we broadcasted it live, like the practice. And at the time, Stephen Guskowski was kicking a field goal, and I had to can't my hands full. <laughs> and literally, I'm like, "Oh, Jules, I'm gonna go catch this." I stand behind there, literally. I'm sitting right there, kicks it, it goes right through my hands and literally, and I will say this, I have a lot of respect for the punt returners because literally, if you're not paying attention, those, those hurt because it went right through my hands. I was gotta embarrassed. Make, gotta and, make the play, brother. Yep, that was the tough I was, moment I to was watch. so embarrassed. I like, video, you gotta I make got the play. A, I got on video too. That's hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> but, uh, I think the one thing, um, 
before we wrap this up, but one thing Julian and I definitely want to know is um, what advice could you give people like Julian and, and myself to uh, really get to the next level? Like we want to be where you are right now. We, we, what do we have to do and what advice would you give us to get there to the next level? I mean, just talking to you guys, I know you're doing everything right. Um, I think it's just making connections. And I know you said you've been able to do that in this period of the shutdown and, and during the pandemic, just talking to anyone. I think you never know. You, and with the intent that you're not trying to get something out of them, but you're just trying to have a conversation. You're trying to get to know them because you never know. Like the, the thing with Cam Newton's dad this this weekend was I had met a youth football coach and done a few stories on him around town. And he told me about this event that Cam's dad was coming to this weekend. And that gave me the opportunity to ask and try and get a sit down. You know, did I ever think meeting this youth football coach two years ago that he would have connection with Cam Newton's dad and, and give me this opportunity? No. So, but, but I never wanted anything about it too. You know, I think there are some people who just go around and, and you can tell when someone just wants something from you mm-hmm. and that's not, you know, nobody wants that. Um, so just having the genuineness of trying to create relationships with people and trying to learn from people and trying to find who you guys not want to be because you want to be yourself, but who, who you have similar characteristics to or, or whose style you like and, and really studying that. And there, there are so many women in the industry that I look up to and talk to and just try and get their advice or feedback or, or ways to improve and always thinking that there is a next level for you and things that you can improve on. I think a lot of people become complacent and that's when they, they hit that, that wall because they're not willing to figure out what they can do better. They just think, Oh, well, I've got here. I'm, I'm so good. I don't need to continue perfecting my craft. Um, but I mean, I think you guys were incredibly professional and, and knew a lot um, on this podcast. And I think just everything you're doing, it'll, it'll definitely show. Um, and it's also fun. Like, remember that, yeah, we're always all trying to get to that next step, but have fun while you're doing it. That's something that I struggle with all the time is, is making, you know, making time to stop and, and think I'm talking about sports and I'm at these games and I'm doing these things. This is awesome. Like, let's just enjoy it before, you know, you want to try and figure out what, what, where else can I go? Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I kind of struggle with that too, even though I'm not that serious with it yet. Sometimes I take it too seriously and I like forget to just like relax a little bit. Like I want my stuff to be perfect. So I'm like pressing sometimes and everyone's like, just chill. <laughs> They're like, just chill. I'm like, all right, yeah. all right. Like, let's take it easy. Last year we really started doing this at the winter meetings. That was a great experience yeah. for us. That's where we kind of began, like really get into this networking stuff. Unfortunately, we we're going to go this year, but it's probably going to be canceled. But you gave us great advice. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, Bridget. Um, yeah. uh, you know what? Once I saw your interview with uh, Cecil Newton, I was I watched it. I re- really loved it, and I I was I'm just grateful that I was able to message you and ask you to come on. I know that you have a lot going on. I appre- we appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. And thank you. I definitely. I, I'm still bummed. I didn't have a better answer for you guys about what I think the Panthers are going to do. Oh, it's okay. Um, they're gonna sell. <laughs> I'm like, dang, I, I haven't even like there's the one thing about working in local is you don't focus on one team. So there's like a thousand different things going on in your, your brain, a thousand different teams, colleges and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, now I'm gonna, now I'm kind of interested in myself. I got to go do some digging. Oh, definitely. The reason why I was asking was because the Patriots need a receiver. So I was kind of hoping <laughs> maybe if we could, uh, <laughs> let's see if, um, if you guys were selling uh, Curtis Samuel, I know you won't sell DJ Moore. That's definitely not going to yeah. happen. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But, I hope uh, they don't sell Curtis Samuel. I, I mean, I think he, I, him and Cam Newton have some uh, reports, so that would mm. be perfect. That is true. That is true. But once again, Bridget, thank you so much for coming on. We would definitely love to interview you again down the road if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. We also have a lot of content on Grunt Talks MLB. Bobby does his great football stuff. It's Bobby's Bombs. Fantastic videos. You should definitely look into them when you get a chance. Yeah, I will. Thank you so much. And Julian is the, uh, the baseball guy, and his Yankees content second to none. Um, 
That's what we uh, that's what we both uh, love our sports, but with, uh, we Julian's baseball, I'm football, and that's what that's what we're doing, and we love it. And pretty soon, one day, we hope to be where you are, Bridget. Thank you so much. Yeah, I well, I have a question for you guys. So, do you just do this as a like part time thing? Do you have do you both have full time jobs doing other things? Yeah, we yeah I have a full Julie and I have full time jobs, and what we're doing is we're we, what we want to do is make this our full time job. Like we went to school, we have degrees with broadcast journalism, and we want to make it to the next level. Like my, personally, my dream is to be a, a sport play by play broadcaster for the NFL for an NFL team. But I would love wow, to be a reporter. Awesome. I would love to be an NFL insider. I lo- I want to be the guy who breaks the story. Like um, in Boston, there's Mike Reese. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, Adam Schefter, of course. And there's Ian yeah. Rappaport. I want to be like something like that, but I want to be myself. I don't want to – the one thing I don't want to do, I don't want to be the next Adam Schefter. I want to be the first Bobby Thompson to do it. That's the way yeah, I see it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So – and honestly, you know what? I think my – my name is perfect because it's a base. Bobby Thompson is like a (laughs) baseball name. So like it's, I hopefully one day that will uh, stick with it. Yeah. Julian and I. There's some guy. Oh, keep going. Sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? There are some guys in uh, the Raleigh Durham area that created their own kind of brand. It's called sports channel eight. I don't know if you ever heard of them. But I would recommend you to follow some of their stuff or, or look them up on Twitter because I think they kind of started, it sounds like, the same way you all did. And they've really made a huge brand for themselves and now have um, a, radio, a radio show five days a week. But they all are guys who have full-time jobs and just love sports. And they've been able to do a lot of really cool stuff. They're credentialed for, you know, ACC tournaments, NCAA tournaments and all of that. Um, so I don't know how I don't know if, if you guys are looking for other things, but that that would be someone good to talk. I think they're four guys. They'd be good to talk to to you know get some advice on all this. I've just checked their accounts right now, now actually, and thank you so much for that. But yes, we do yeah. want to push it to the next level. Our website, Grunt Talks, does we do video breakdowns. We have like recaps, like previews. We do like more than weekly podcasts, baseball and football ones. Like we take this very seriously, but we have to also support ourselves so of we can really do this right now. But we, that's what the goal is, and we're hoping to get money off this. We have a big YouTube channel, Facebook, and all that. Like we we're getting in the right direction. We just got to keep moving. Absolutely. Um, well, any way I can help you guys, um, I'm always trying to pay it forward. So don't, don't be shy. Thank you. Bridget. I, did fo- I follow you on my account so you could check to see. Yep, definitely. I follow, oh, yeah. okay. in touch. I follow, I follow you as well. Julian, I do. We, we really appreciate that. Thank you so much for of being course. willing to help us out and, we're definitely going to reach out to those guys. That's one thing. Julian and I started this podcast. It's coming up on two years, and we just – we've always talked about this. Julian and I are like brothers. What we do is we're just two guys from from northern New Jersey with a dream to be uh, sports in the world of sports, and that's what we're trying to kick down the doors and basically <laughs> yeah. do what we got to do. Step by step, you know. It's been a grind, but we're getting there hopefully. Yeah, um, of course. Well – Thank you for having me. I mean, it's great to talk to some Yankees. Um, you guys are from <laughs> up, right? I, I didn't. I don't even know if I asked that, but yeah, I know. I, yeah, you're close enough. <laughs> yeah, well, we're like 25 minutes from the city. We're like right there. Wow, that's sweet. I love New York City, the way it looks. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm more. I, um, in terms of my sports, I love the Yankees, but if it comes to a city. I think Boston's beautiful. I tell Julian this. He calls me crazy. I said I like Boston more than New York. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but just that view of the bridge over uh, the Charles River and the Sitco sign, like, oh, there's nothing better. (laughs) And I also love the accents when you park your car and have it yacht. I love it. He always loves loves doing that. And then uh, (laughs) you go down to Foxborough. I love that one, too. The catch a pass game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. 
making me homesick now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I miss my home. T- I, I got to get up to Boston. Uh, Jules, next year, can next year be when we get back up there? As long as everything's good to go and we're allowed to do stuff again and go to games, then you already know. Absolutely. Yeah. But Bridget, like we said, thank you so much for everything. And we will definitely be, uh, definitely reach out to you soon. We definitely, hopefully we could all keep in touch and definitely do this again. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Thanks thank you so, so much. much. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Have a great one. Bye. All right. Well, that was Bridget Condon of ABC 11 in North Carolina. Jules, great interview. That was fantastic, brother. That was definitely one of our better ones. Absolutely. So everybody, please you please follow us on Grunt Talks MLB or grunttalksmlb.com. Our personal accounts, Julian, take it away. It's uh, Julian Gilardi1 on Twitter, Julian Gilardi11. Grunt Talks team is also Twitter and Instagram. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, basically every platform you could want, we have. Yeah, my personal Twitter is btoms81. We got a lot more football stuff. Julian and I will be back in two days' time for our weekly picks. Got a lot more coming up. Got a lot more coming up, everybody. Thank you. Talk to you later, bro. Have a good one. What's up, GNT Nation? Have you checked out our YouTube channel yet? Subscribe to us at Grunt Talks MLB. Also, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.